Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Podcast that's a lot like a woodpecker in a petrified forest. We're staying active, we're staying busy, and we're looking for opportunities. I'm Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you modern example of strength and virility in an increasingly forsaken era. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Charged up from our week off last week. Went to a wedding, saw some friends, uh, grinding tape still. I only have uh, a couple games left in the season going back and rewatching everything. So, man, it's it's getting close. You and I were just talking off air like August is right around the corner now. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it'll be in the air before you know it. Let's still enjoy the dog days of summer. Uh, we don't quite apologize for being off last week. We'll give you two thirds of an apology. Uh, but this podcast, I think, will make up for that. We had to take some time. I had to grind some tape. I'm pretty knee deep in the rewatch. I just did my first Michigan State rewatch since uh, last year's pod, which was uh, I have some thoughts. Not They're not for this podcast, but I have some thoughts. And uh, all of that in preparation for the great deep dive, the one that we saved for last, the quarterback deep dive. And uh, this one a little bit different from some of the other breakdowns in that this one is a full on controversy. This is a full on debate. So we are going to have the great debate of our era tonight. 
I, I'm really excited for this because you and I have been like texting back and forth, doing our research and like swaying one way or another pros and cons of the quarterback position between Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy. And while people are, you know, lighting their pitchforks and ready to charge at each other on Twitter over this, you and I are like trying to take a very honest and objective approach to it. And I think we've come to some really interesting conclusions. So I'm excited to share all of that with the listeners today. Yeah, I can't wait for this one. Let's get to a couple quick hits before we get into the meat of this thing and meaty it shall be. Uh, Recruiting has been a topic that's been discussed amongst a lot of Michigan faithful recently. Not in a positive light necessarily, as Michigan was kind of lingering in the 50s there for a long time. No real meaningful commitments, a decommitment of uh, Raylan Wilson that ended up going to Georgia. But things have picked up in the last couple weeks with the recruitment of Amir Herring, four-star interior offensive lineman. Uh, Collins, I don't want to butcher this, so I'm going to have to figure it out eventually, but Collins Akiampong um, out of California, a 6'7 athlete. I think he's going to play defensive end. And then Samaj Bridgman, a linebacker, 6'2", another four-star Uh, to help fill for the departed Raylan Wilson. So things have started to turn up. But then on the other side, we miss out on Dante Moore. We miss out on CJ Carr. So, and we didn't really offer anybody else in this class. So what should my level of concern be? Where's yours at right now? Are we still kind of hovering around the same? I don't think mine's ever going to fluctuate too much. Like I believe on a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, it gets to the season. It's going to go up. I, re- I really don't think it is like everyone's bored right now. Cause not much is going on unless you're a loser like me and, and into more obscure sports, but just, it's okay. Like it's fine. Like, everything is just magnified because of the lack of anything going on in the summer. And this is not a right now problem. This does not mean CJ Carr is going to go to Notre Dame or that Dante Moore is going to go to Oregon. It's like, just relax. Jared Wangler, former Michigan player working with the NIL department of the athletic department at Michigan, put out a statement. It was, you know, too long. Don't read, but more or less said, chill out. We're playing the long game here. So it's like this program earned my trust last year when it was at an all-time low and brought it all the way back. We have a hell of a team coming onto the field this year. So it's like, yeah, they've earned my trust. They've earned my patience. And I don't think my concern level is going to waver past the five. Yeah, I don't see mine getting above like a six unless we're like out of the top 40 when this is all said and done for a number of reasons. One of them that you kind of touched on there, and that's where these kids are committed right now does not necessarily mean that's where they're going to play the bulk of their snaps with the transfer portal being what it is. I mean, how many uh, transfer quarterbacks has Harbaugh brought in total? There's almost been one every year since he's been there. Odds are he's going to bring in more transfer quarterbacks. So while you might be concerned about missing out on Dante Moore and not really having any other offers in this class at the quarterback position, the guy that's going to end up playing for Michigan and playing important snaps might not even be committed, might not even have been recruited this cycle. So there's so many other ways to get a quarterback. So long as we stay in the top like 20 ish range, I think we're going to be fine for this year. And then if this NIL kind of figures itself out and we are in fact ahead of the curve, I could see things really, really uptick next year, especially with the news coming out today that was trending on Twitter that J.J. McCarthy is slated to make upwards of two million dollars next year through NIL deals at Michigan. So that that stuff's going to start to get out that, look, we may not throw the bag at you just to come here, but the bag is there. 
Yeah, it's more of an earn it approach. And you and I were talking throughout the week, like imagine if this team had given the bag to Derek Green or Sam McGuffey in the past, like how that would have played out. Like these kids are very like unproven commodities. So taking a risk on a 17-year-old and being like, okay, here's a million dollars to come here. I hope you're good. That's a hell of an investment just going off high school tape when they're playing kids that finished up Algebra 2 earlier in the day. So no, I, I like the slow approach to this for right now. I like that they're having more of like, you get here, you can prove it. And I really think that's a good fit for the culture as well, because you're going to see some of these 17-year-old, 18-year-old kids enter a locker room full of like 23-year-old men who aren't getting that kind of bag. And there's going to be a divide. There will be some issues that like some residual effects coming from all of this. So as of right now, like chill out, let's play the long game. And, you know, we can reassess when it gets closer to signing day. It is crazy on some of these teams where you're going to have kids that are making like $8 million is a number that was rumored out there for some of these quarterbacks this year. Like some of these kids that are worth $8 million and then some kids that are just not getting anywhere close to that. It is going to be fascinating to watch. Um, I would do a remove the goggles and talk about how I don't think any of this is making the sport better in any way as much as I want kids to get paid. I just like it, it needs to have some sort of structure. But now's not the time for that. We have bigger fish to fry on this podcast. Yeah, the pendulum's going to swing back. You and I have talked about it getting out of control before. And yeah, dude, my whole life isn't worth $8 million. Give it to a 17-year-old to play football. That is insane. For a kid that might not even play any snaps there. Like, we always bring up the Tate Martell Quinn Errors thing. Like, you pay these kids an absolute bag. And then they're like, yeah, you know what? I actually want to transfer. Um, somebody else has beat me out, you know? And I mean, man, this is going to make me sound like an old man here, but like the competitive spirit that comes with having to earn that job rather than just be like, well, I was paid for this job. Like you're, it's almost a different sport. If like, it's like, well, we committed $8 million to this kid. We have to start him. That's professional football. Now it's no longer the college football that we know and love. So I hope it comes back around to what Michigan sees it being eventually, but NCAA needs to do something, man. Cause it's, it's wild right now. Yeah, it's, it is the Wild West, and we knew this was going to happen because this isn't even NIL. This is more strictly just pay for play, and there needs to be a balance of it coming back around, and I think it'll happen. Like Something's going to happen with the division shifting. I don't know if the NCAA is going to continue to exist, and it's going to be up to conferences to do something about it, but it's, it's going to come back around because, like you said, there's going to be that pressure of – okay, we're playing, we're paying Dante more this much. He needs to get on the field. He needs to make sure he gets some snaps. Like that just opens up so many like more problems. So I much rather prefer having Michigan's meritocracy program that they have installed right now. I mean, I, I hope that you're right. And I hope that it does turn out this way. As of right now, I'm kind of reserving judgment. I'm not going to panic about our recruiting rankings though. Right now in, in July, I'm just not going to do that, especially with the way transfers work. I'm just, if you're trying to get me to go there the year after we won a big 10 championship, they have earned a lot of leeway in my mind. I think that they should have earned that leeway in fans minds too. I mean, Last year was awesome. I'm rewatching it as we speak. I can tell you it is still awesome. And I just watched the Michigan State game right before this podcast, and I'm still pretty optimistic. So if you're stressing too much about recruiting right now, I have advice in two words. Go outside. Enjoy it. It's beautiful. It's really hot in most of the country right now. Just get out there, get some air, and just like relax. It's going to be okay. Just relax. It is going to be okay. Live your life. Um, all right. Before we get on to the meat of this podcast, got to talk about Home Field Apparel. They've been sponsoring us now for 
quite a while and uh, couldn't be happier because that's the majority of my wardrobe. And they've got your summer fits, your fall fits, your winter fits, whatever you need right now. Rocking my uh, old school Michigan T-shirts. But uh, we already talked about August, not that far away. The hoodies will be returning and Homefield Apparel's got you covered. Old school, new school designs from any college that you could want. Go to homefieldapparel.com and you can get 20% off your first checkout, first purchase with MNB. All right, my friend, this is the one that we've kind of had circled on our calendar. It's time to get into the quarterbacks. And like we have done with every breakdown, we're going to start with the position coach. And for the quarterback room, that's going to be Matt Weiss, who will be co-offensive coordinator this year, along with Ron Bellamy. So this will be an interesting uh, new task for him, but he'll be calling the plays. He comes to Ann Arbor from Baltimore. He was there for 12 seasons, which is kind of crazy that any any coach stays in one organization in the NFL for that long. He was with Harbaugh at Stanford, grad assistant there. Uh, I mean, last year you saw what Cade McNamara was able to accomplish. Third team, all Big Ten honors, 12 wins, number 16 scoring offense, 15 touchdowns to six interceptions. He was pretty instrumental in getting Cade McNamara to be the player that he was. He also deserves credit for what he's done with J.J. McCarthy. Um, This is a guy that was under John Harbaugh. He has uh, quite a bit of experience with running backs. He's actually more of a running coach as far as like what his history is but he's an offensive guy that they've had their eye on for a long time um and and from all accounts a guy that the players really like so do you have any thoughts on matt weiss i think it's the perfect person to have there with the team and situation that michigan has right now with jj and Cade both driving for position and I love the fact that he'll be going the passing offense. Sharon Moore will be handling the rushing offense. And there's going to be kind of a balance there between the two guys really working together as a unit, have experience last year working together as well. So I think they can build upon that. And this is the right guy you want in place uh, during with the quarterback controversy. Between he and Jim Harbaugh, you have a lot of good quarterback minds in there. So I think he's really talented. Like you said, you spoke to his like longevity with one program. It says a lot in how much they thought of him. Didn't have to move around to move up. So, no, I, I think Matt White's one of the best like quarterback coaches we've had there. Thank you for correcting me. It is not Ron Bellamy. It is Sharon Moore calling the runs. But yes, I appreciate that. You you know what I meant. This document that we have going on is pretty substantial. It's a meaty one tonight. But I agree with what you said there. I think he's a good adult in the room. Um, he's a guy that, uh, I mean, other than Jed Fish, I would say he's behind Jed Fish as far as my confidence in like what he brings to that room. But Jed Fish is now like a head coach. You know, Jed Fish was a bit out of our league to come back as a passing game coordinator. So I really like what Matt Weiss brings to the table um as far as like his connection to either of these quarterbacks i don't really have a ton on that but i mean the fact that he is like a returning guy and he spent time with both these guys last year that's great that you know there's some continuity there so all right the quarterback position uh i would say there's two candidates uh is there any reason to mention a third here would that or that would that just be insane Shout out Davis Warren spring game. You know, the kid overcame a serious illness, had a big moment, but that's third string, baby. For sure. For sure. And we're big orgy guys here, but uh, maybe not this year. Maybe not this year. (laughs) (laughs) I think that this is a two man race. This is a two man race. And the candidates are the incumbent, the incumbent Cade Mack, Big Ten winning quarterback, all Big Ten third team Cade McNamara. Last year, 210 of 327. That's 64% completion. 
2,576 yards for an average of 7.9 per completions, 15 tutties, six interceptions. Didn't really do too much on the ground we're speaking of. His long, though, 93 against Michigan State. And, uh, I mean, what are give me just kind of your your overall, maybe your elevator pitch on, on Cade McNamara being the, uh, the starting quarterback next year. Just a quick one. <clears throat> Cade McNamara is a winner. He won a Big Ten championship. He beat Ohio State for the first time in 10 years. I mean, that's all you need to know from a leadership perspective. And he's hardly ever going to lose you a game. He's going to keep you relevant in almost every contest. He makes the right decision. From the neck up, Cade McNamara is is like 90% of what you want from a quarterback. He brings so much to the table and doesn't take too much off of it. That said, there are limitations. Very well said. The challenger. That would be sophomore quarterback J.J. McCarthy, the recruiting phenom, one of the highest recruits of the Harbaugh era, comes in highly touted. Last season, split time with Cade McNamara coming in in mop-up duty, but a little bit more than that was used as a change-of-pace quarterback. Generally was running the ball, but there were times when they'd uh, make you think they were going to run it, and they'd let this kid throw. And when he got the chance, results were mixed, but overall I would say more positive than negative. He went 34-59 for 57.6 completion percentage, 516 yards, averaging 8.7. Five touchdowns, two interceptions. His long was 69 yards and had some moments. And, you know, the last time we saw both Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy on the field was against Georgia. And one might argue that J.J. McCarthy looked like the, the better quarterback that day, although he was coming in and kind of just the game was mostly over at that point, but had one of his best games against Georgia. So give me your quick elevator pitch for JJ McCarthy. JJ McCarthy has a ceiling as high as the stratosphere. He's one of the most talented passers in the country, like just flat out all levels, all ages. He is that talented. He has the leadership traits you want from a young kid. Doesn't play with a lot of ego. He brings everything you want like he can sling the ball he has the arm strength he has the accuracy he can run the football it's just his ceiling is so high but there's also such a basement with him too because at times he can want to go for the home run ball when the team just needs a first down or he can think he can fit a ball in one place and can't do it he'll look off a second receiver and try to go back to his first he makes a lot of young freshman mistakes but the ceiling remains the same I like it. Well done once again. All right. The first exercise we're going to do tonight, this is in honor of the NCAA video game coming out July of next year. We're not even sponsored by the NCAA video game or EA Sports or anything. I'm just super excited about it. And it gave me an idea for how we're going to lay this out. So uh, I know you're not a huge video game guy, but you kind of know how video game stats work. Yes, I am, in fact, not an idiot. (laughs) That would not make you an idiot, sir. It just means you have better things to do with your time. No one's going to hate on you for not playing video games. But we are doing this like NCAA or Madden stats, where the rating goes from 1 to 99. Uh, 100 is reserved for, like, the absolute psychopathic, like, how is that a real person? Like, Barry Sanders' cutting ability might be 100, or, like, Drew Brees' accuracy in 2008 or something like that. So 1 to 99 on these uh one being this person cannot absolutely cannot even do that thing like that's not even a thing that they could possibly do 99 is they are the best possible player in college football at that thing so we're gonna go 
down the categories one at a time, and we're going to go one to 99 what you think that person's rating are. We're going to kind of deliberate, deliberate on that. We're going to litigate it, and we're going to end up on something that we think makes sense. Sound good? All right, let's do it. I love it. Let's do this. All right. So the first category, pocket presence. Cade McNamara, what are we giving him? One to 99. And uh, I'll let you throw out the first number and we can get started on here. 80. Cade McNamara has a very just adult level pocket presence, can feel the rush, can see it from both sides. He very rarely gets caught looking. He benefits from a great offensive line, but both quarterbacks do. Cade moves really well in the pocket and is exceptional at making the uh, very timely third down rush for a first down. I'm going to push for a little bit higher just because the interception totals last year. I mean, it was game six until he threw his first interception. I think that's pretty quality, especially against Washington secondary. So I'm going to push back with an 84. So how do we feel about an 82? 82. Let's do it. I like it. JJ McCarthy, pocket presence. This one's tough. The, the escapability there, the freshman tendency, sometimes he's very like vulnerable to getting sacked. I think it has to be lower than Caden this, even given the smaller sample size. So I'm going to say J.J. McCarthy, 74. I like it. I was going to go a little bit higher because we were discussing off air that broken play ability that you do see sometimes that like, all right, he did kind of get turned around there, but this guy can shrug off defenders and and make you miss and turn something or nothing into something. So I have to go a little bit higher, but I agree it should be lower than Cade's uh, because that's just one of the few areas Cade's going to beat him in. So how about like a 76? That's good. Yeah, and I think some of your point, though, will bleed over into the scrambling category we have further down. Right, absolutely. All right, I'm going to take arm strength. Cade McNamara, uh, I just watched pretty much every throw that he made this year. This is not going to be a great category for him. You can't really go down into the 60s because I think, like, you get down into the 60s, and if you were to do that on Madden, that's not even a quarterback you could trot out there. Uh, So it's got to be in the 70s, but unfortunately, it's going to be low 70s. I'm going to start out at about a 72 um, there are just so many times where it's like, well, if that were in stride, that's a touchdown uh, more time. I mean, I maybe four or five touchdowns if I had to count that are left on the table by him under throwing a guy and the throws to the uh, to the hash marks look like a little bit. It's like, oh, is that going to get there? The throws way out to the sideline, even more so. It does not zip out of there. There's just no denying it. And I don't know if that's something that's going to improve this year, but um, not a ton of zip on the ball. So, yeah, that's where I'm going. How do you feel about it? I would counter with no higher than a 75. So I think we can find the 73, 74 in there. I'm right there with you. It's not bad by any, it's not like the worst you're ever going to see, but it's definitely one of his weaker categories. I'm with you. All right, JJ McCarthy, take us away. Man, this is so tough because we've like, we've seen him sling the ball in a, a lot of different times and sometimes not as far, far, as far as we'd like to see him yet. But the one throw that sticks out to me is Western Michigan when he absolutely makes a throw you cannot do across the field deep to Dalen Baldwin in stride. I think that is elite level arm strength. So I'm going to go JJ McCarthy 92. Whoa, I love it. I was going to say like, what would a 99 be? Would that be like Matthew Stafford at Georgia? Is that like Cam Newton at Auburn? Like what is a 99 even look like for arm strength? And then I was trying to compare it against that. It has to be in the elite tier because we said that's a Mahomesian throw 
when he made it. So I'm with you. Let's let's go 92. I mean, that is that was an elite level throw and that throw alone, along with his deep balls being just much better uh, the, the zip towards the hash marks. There's a throw to Cornelius Johnson. Uh, it's later in the year. It might have been Maryland or Indiana where it gets to him so quickly that it hits him in the helmet and almost gets lodged in his face mask like that ball is coming out of there. It does look elite. I'm happy to put it in the 90s. Um, all right. Let's move on here. We're going to accuracy and Cade McNamara. What do you got? You and I were discussing this off air, and this was the category for me that really stood out as uh, just a little bit weaker for Cade on rewatch. A lot of balls behind receivers and tight ends, just missing to the left, missing to the right. There's a stretch of football for Cade from the Rutgers game and Nebraska, there's just time. It's hard to watch. It's like, what what is going on? So a lot of those dry spells. So it's going to be right there with arm strength for me as like a big deficient thing. But since I think it's a little bit worse than his arm strength, just on the rewatch, I'm going to go accuracy 72. Wow. Wow. That's fascinating. I thought you'd go a little bit higher there because there are some throws, particularly against Michigan State. If he's operating across the middle of the field on crossing routes and it's more about the timing, He's actually pretty good. But as far as balls that are thrown, we're like, well, only his receiver was going to catch it. You can kind of count them on one hand. So that's not a great like leading stat to lead with that. Like, oh, wow, he threw the ball. You know, how many times did he throw it last year? I have it here. Um, He had 327 attempts. And you're saying there's five throws that were like elite level placement. That's not great. That's not great. So I, I want to go a little bit higher because of his accuracy across the middle. I would go 78. So maybe we go like a 75, which is just like pretty much a, a very blah, very average statistic here. How do we feel about 75? No, no, actually go 78 with his overall completion percentage. I think I'm being a little too rough and like getting hung up on a couple throws because there's some balls against Michigan State that are perfect. So I think 78, you talked me into it. You're right. Yeah, maybe a little bit harsh because of the deep ball placement, but that's its own category in this. So, uh, all right, uh, JJ, I'll take JJ starting number here. Man, this is another tough one because when he's on, he is absolutely on. Now, you don't see him spraying it a lot. Like, this is not Joe Milton. There's not balls that are just sailing over receivers' heads. There's not balls that are like, oh, that could have very, very easily been picked. Now, there are some of those, like, and that'll go into decision-making. But his deep balls are, like, in stride. Uh, the, the like you see it there like you see it there there's a throw uh to Andrew Anthony against Michigan State another uh, one of his second touchdowns where he like throws it up to the back shoulder like there's 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 accuracy there in spurts to the point where I think he can do it so I want to go I can't really go higher or lower than Cade so like are they tied in accuracy or is he more accurate I'm gonna throw out a number because I have to I'm gonna say 79 I'm gonna say he's a shade more accurate I would. I was gonna say seventy-eight. I was gonna have him tied. It's such a sister kissing response, but like when you have the highs and highs and you have the lows balanced out from the sample size, I think I don't think you can give anybody an edge there right now. Right, and we understand like the stats. We already read them off that Cade McNamara statistically is much more accurate, uh, but we think some of that is more to do with decision making than it is with necessarily like the accuracy of his passes. So that's a tough one. Like somebody could really take the reins in that category this year. Uh, scrambling. This is an interesting one. Cade McNamara. What do you got? <clears throat> 
Cade McNamara is a very timely scrambler, and I think that should count for something because he waits in the pocket more often than not before escaping and making a play with his legs. So it's not, I, don't, I do not think it's a knock on him. It's not, I wouldn't say necessarily a strength either. It's really difficult to place. So I'm going to put his scrambling at um, 77. 77. I like that. I don't think you can take him down too low too, just because of his athleticism. Um, this That's not what this category is about. He is smart with the ball. This dude is certainly not Michael Vick. He's not Steve Young. I mean, he's not even Tom Brady. Like his rushing statistics are uh, pretty abysmal. Hang on. I've got him right here. Uh, he rushed for a total of 26 yards last year. You'd think you'd accidentally fall forward for more yards than that. So this is not a guy that is prone to running the football a ton, but they were timely. Um, he didn't take a lot of sacks, and some of that is a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, but some of it is you know, his ability to maybe not scramble, but move up in the pocket. So I'm fine with that. I'm fine with a 77 uh, JJ, much more interesting. Uh, this I think is one of his more elite skills upon, uh, watching it. Now, sometimes he scrambles when he doesn't need to. So that's going to bring it back down a little bit, but that's also like a little bit of pocket presence, which we, which we've already dinged him for. So if we're just saying when he scrambles, what is it? I'm going to start out with like an 85. That's that's very solid. I was going to say 82, so I think we can probably split the difference there. It's uh, very talented on the edge. Sometimes maybe leaves a little too early, but a very, very solid scrambler. And uh, just as a pure runner, when they're running read options with him, he has been very – he's just outstanding with it. And uh, in defense of Cade's rushing numbers, you know, the sack yards bring it down a little bit for him. But um, no, this is an interesting category. It comes from uh, being timely or, you know, maybe JJ being a little early on some of these runs, but definitely more explosive in the open field. 100%. Yeah, I'm with you. So we'll go with an 84. Uh, that's a number that could easily climb given his athleticism, though. So that's one to watch. All right. Cade McNamara is about to make up some ground in this next category. I feel like the next category is decision making. I'm going to start this out. I think this is Cade McNamara's highest category. I think it's his best category. And any argument that he should be the starter this year is probably starting with this point. So I'm going to I'm going to give it a good number right out of the gates because I think it's his his best skill. I'm going to go with a 90 right out of the gates. I mean, the, the lack of turnovers is what does it for. Me. I was going to come back with like an 88, but I actually like the 90. Put Yeah, put him right there in that group because I mean, he just makes I mean, he said it took 6 games for him to have an interception and then I love the fact that even after he has a bad moment or a lapse in judgment, like i.e. Nebraska or Ohio State with the interceptions, he comes right back. That's that's something. Yep, and we've got another category that can kind of touch on that, but you're absolutely right that this is a guy that doesn't get rattled and uh, you know that'll actually kind of be in the next category, but just, you know, you go six games in without throwing an interception. I mean, your worst game, you throw two of them. Um, I think, how many did he throw in the year? Was it six total on the year? I have it right here. I keep asking these questions, but yeah, actually, I, I, yeah it was six on the air. I have the stats literally right in front of me. So uh, yeah, I, I'm with I'm with that number. All right, JJ, decision-making. This is going to be a bit of a gap here. Um, I'm going to throw a number out to start. 71, counter me. What are you thinking? Cool, man, that is rough. But it's, it's, it's very, I was going to say 75, so maybe a 73 here. Because yeah. some of the decisions he makes, even when it turns out well, it's rough. 
Yeah, exactly. Like some of the decisions, like even the one where in, against Western Michigan, a throw we're going to talk about in detail. Uh, that was not a good decision to do that. I mean, it was miraculous and it ended <laughs> in a touchdown, but I can't give you props in the decision making category there. And uh, maybe this number's a little too low because some of his worst moments were actually not like decision making. They were like ball security stuff. Um, and you know, his turnovers, he only had two interceptions, a couple fumbles. So they're not egregious, but considering how many snaps he played, I think that's a pretty high percentage. Like if you extrapolate that, that might be like 10 interceptions and eight fumbles. So, um, you know, decision-making I think can come into question a little bit. So that's a pretty big gap. There's our biggest gap right there by far. Uh, next category comes into what we were discussing. Uh, the category title is headiness, which I think just, you know, uh, gamesmanship might be another way to think about it. Like, uh, where's their head at in the game? Uh, you can start us out with Cade McNamara. I'm going to throw out a number because it's going to be high because Cade seems always locked in. I'm going to come uh, just a little bit down from decision-making, but I'm going to go with Cade at about an 87 to start. I like that a lot. This is probably his second best category. Never seen him get too high or too low when we needed it. He had it. Uh, He played his best game against Michigan State. Didn't play his best game against Ohio State, but when we needed that throw to Cornelius Johnson, which we'll talk about also in detail, he had that in him. Um, And I don't ever remember me texting you at any point in this year being like, what is Cade McNamara thinking? I don't think that text exists in our text thread. So, so I'm with you. Um, I might go a little bit higher just because he really only has two categories that he's even close to a lead in. And this is one of them. So I want to get his score up because we're going to average these out. So let's go 88. Okay. That's, that's great. And like you said, the, um, that's a great point about the text message. Like you never say like, what is Kate thinking? Like you always feel like he has a feel for the game as well as anybody out there and just very level-headed. So no, that's, that's great for him. I'm with you. All right. Same question to JJ McCarthy. This is an interesting one because you also have to take into account that he's coming in in garbage time and it doesn't really matter what he does. So I guess the best game to look at would probably be a a Michigan state when he came in in real minutes and he did struggle. But then again, that's also a huge moment to come in. So we can't give an incomplete grade, but we've also seen this guy like, in moments where we need him come in and deliver a throw against Ohio state. They're like, no, no, no. JJ McCarthy can throw. He came in and he threw an absolute dime to Roman Wilson. So there's not a ton of evidence out there for us on this one. Where do you go with this? I want, I want to throw this one to you first. Where do you, where do you think his head, his head is at? And he's only a true freshman. Yeah, so factoring all of that in, like the Indiana game also stings me because of how like he just carried over from the Michigan State lapses and struggled. So I I, I don't want to knock him too much though, but I think he does need to be held accountable for like the ups and the downs. So I'm going to go 79 here. I like that. I'm not going to even push back because I do think if you extrapolate it a little bit more and he's not playing just in garbage time, I think you would see a guy that's a gamer. Like I just, and I can't really back that up with much. Because, like we said, against Michigan State, when the lights were pretty bright, didn't have his best moment. But then Ohio State, he did. So it, it's it's very difficult. So I like 79. I think that's a fair grade. Next category. Absolutely love this category. One of my favorites. It's called That Dog, as in he got that dog in him. Uh, I think that's self-explanatory. What is Cade McNamara's dog ranking? 
You know, Cade McNamara's got an underrated dog in him. I'm just going to put that out there. You and I have talked about his like, gamer tag like all the time, just the way he like really locks in, coming back. I mean, he's just I, – I love the competitive fire, and Jim Harbaugh speaks ad nauseum, like credits him to this team, the culture and all of that, and I think that has to be countered in here. So I'm going to say Cade McNamara has at least an 85 dog in him. Whoa, whoa. I was going to go 81, but I love it. You talked me into it. I mean, I remember his rallying cry, what happens if we win out, you know, and that that ended up happening with the, the regular season. So uh, he was the guy that, you know, the vocal leader of the team and the actual on field leader of the team. Um, extremely attractive girlfriend that shows confidence, even though I hate his haircut and I don't quite uh, <laughs> I don't quite support that, but that's neither here nor there. So, I mean, that shows confidence. So, I agree. I'm going to go a little bit lower. So, how do we feel about an 84? Got that dog in him. That's good. I, I love the, the girlfriend ranking and the haircut factor. In, but also, he's sponsored by, like, a really nice steakhouse. I mean, that automatically says that dog. That's got some dog. That's got some dog attached to it. There's no doubt about it. Um, all right, J.J. McCarthy, same question. You lead. J.J. McCarthy almost has that dog in him to a fault because he thinks he can do things that right now he can't. And it feels like you're talking to like uh, Simba and the Lion King. Like, Simba, you just don't understand. You can't do this yet. And he does some things like that that drive you up a wall. But you love the aggression. So I'm going to put him just a couple spots higher at 88. Ooh, I like it. It seems too high to me just because we haven't seen enough of it. And also him like being the challenger. It's kind of built in that he has to try some stuff that maybe he shouldn't try. So I don't know if I can go quite that high, um, given, you know, what we saw last year. It's really that's boiling down to the one throw against Western Michigan, where it was like, no, no, don't do that. And then he completed it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, do that. You absolute cyborg of a human. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go, but I am going to go higher. Then, uh, then Cade McNamara, I'm going to go that he's an 85, just one above. Cause I mean, it's just the way that he talks about it, the way that he shows up, the way that we hear about him practicing as a true freshman, the fact that he's like giving away NIL money. Like this just sounds like a dude. It just sounds like a Michigan dude. Like I've seen the blueprint before I, the, the blueprint is there. So, um, how do, how do you feel about 85? Why don't we go 86 for this one point when uh, the team comes home from like road trips and then you see out on the field, it's Andrew Anthony, Christian Dixon, JJ McCarthy, and Donovan Edwards, just the freshman group putting in reps on the field together as eight, as 17 and 18 year olds. That is that dog. You could have also sold me on the fact that those were the cats that were standing out there watching Georgia celebrate after the, uh, the bowl game loss. So, all right. Yep. I upped it to 86. That's a good one. All right, next category, deep ball placement. Uh, Cade McNamara's first. Um, I'm going to throw it to you. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. <clears throat> this uh, ties into the Ronnie Bell corollary because if Ronnie Bell is healthy, is Cade's better here? Is it helped out? Because, I mean, they seem to have the chemistry from the get-go. One of his best throws of the season was right to Ronnie Bell in stride. Another great throw from deep balls to CJ. He had the Northern Illinois throw that we were at. He had the throw against Wisconsin on the flea flicker. Uh, the Cornelius Johnson one against Ohio State. But also a lot of misses in there as well. So, and those are the ones that really missed that that, stu that stood out when rewatching these games, like being bailed out by receivers sometimes, like the Mikey Singer still laying out for the catch against Nebraska. So, this is a long winded answer for me to put him like right there. Just he's, he's not bad 
not great. I think it's a good 75. Yeah, 75 is like the most blah answer you can give in this because it's like he can do it, but uh, maybe only three out of four times. And honestly, that sounds about right. Maybe two out of four times, but I'm not going to take him down to a 50. So 75, I would say maybe is a little high upon rewatch. Like I said, there's four or five touchdowns that are left out there. Um, There's some that are you can't tell if it's like, oh, he meant to do that or if it's like an accidental back shoulder fade. Um, I don't know on some of those, but I can tell you that like when you're watching throws outside of the hash, you you kind of feel your spine tense up because you're like, well, that's not whipping out of there. And then when you watch stuff that's even further down the field, like on the sidelines deep down, it's like, I, I don't know if that's going to get there. I don't know who's catching that. So I've had some moments there. So I'm going to go 73. So maybe we'll split it and go 74. But uh, I don't think that Cade McNamara has anywhere close to an NFL ceiling because of his arm strength and deep ball placement. So I can't go very high here. It's a tough one because it combines two of his worst traits with being like the inconsistent accuracy and the arm strength. But like maybe the return of Ronnie Bell fixes that and we eat our words on this one. That's the one factor that hangs out there. Sure, absolutely could. And that's something to keep an eye on because it's deep ball and we'll get to that. Like we're going to touch on throws in the second half of this, but that deep ball to Ronnie Bell against Western Michigan was excellent. So uh, same question, JJ McCarthy. I feel like this is going to be higher, but uh, what are you thinking? It's going to be higher, but it has to be just a a little bit measured here because like there's not a huge sample size. You can think of the throws from Western Michigan, think of Wisconsin. Um, You have those moments, but then you have some misses in there as well. Like a couple of the deep balls, like it just gets away from him, like going for the long shot and not being in sync with his receivers. It is better. And I think this is a, like, this is the one number I think I could have like the greatest variance on this upcoming season. So for right now, I'm going to put um, McCarthy as an 84. Ooh, that feels too high. I was just going to go with like a 79 or an 80 because of the lack of, of reps there. 84 feels too high. Just given the fact that, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at how many deep throws and what are we saying? A deep throw is 25 plus yards. So, I mean, there's, there's super limited um, sample size there. So uh, how do we feel about an 80 flat? That's, that's good. You're right. I got Sometimes I get the rose tinted glasses on. I get all excited thinking about deep balls. Sure. <laughs> oh, I mean, that would be a great transition for balls, but let's hold off for a moment. That time will come. Um, all right. Last category here, and then we're going to take a break. And last category is throw on the run. Kate McNamara, this is not something that he excels at, but there is a throw against Michigan State. Uh, third and nine, where he's got a defender draped on him. He's rolling out and he completes a ball to Eric Hall. It does exist where he can throw outside on the run, but you don't see a ton of it. Like I would say you could probably count it on one hand. So uh, I don't want to say that he can't do it. So I'm going to go with like a 70, 77 here, which feels like giving him a little bit of credit, but this isn't something he'd excels at, I wouldn't say. I don't know if it's not that he doesn't excel at it or just he just doesn't do it because he doesn't have to as much. It's more not just his bag. So honestly, because of that third and nine throw against Michigan State that you were alluding to, going to his left, getting chased on the right side and then throwing it, I'm giving an 80 just on respect. Okay. How do we feel about a 79 then split that difference? I think that's that's pretty fair. Um, and yeah, that is a really, really good throw in a big moment. So uh, this one for JJ is interesting. Uh <sighs> Here's the thing is like it's I feel like we might be 
kind of not skewing these numbers correctly just because the sample size is on some, but we're doing our best to do it. We understand that. Um, but I got to say throw on the run is one that just like every time stands out. So I think this is going to be a pretty big discrepancy. I think this is one of his stronger traits. I'm going to start it out as an 85 for throw on the run for JJ. That's that was the exact number. I have no notes on that. Like it, it's hard to really place it because sometimes he'll just drift out of the pocket too early and get on the run and wait too late. But like when it's on, it's on. So I think that like with the extrapolation rule, I think 85 is a good place. I like it. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to tally these up, come up with our average. And that will be apparently the definitive ranking, I think, moving forward of where these quarterbacks are at right now. So uh, we'll do that. We're going to get into categories and more. We'll be back right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. Uh, during the break, we tallied this up. This is one of the more fascinating experiments that we've ever done, being as how we didn't know what was going to come out of this. We didn't really prep for it. I threw this at Andy right before. We're going to give it to you here. Uh, we're going to break it back down. Here is the rankings. Uh, Andy, do you want to go through Kate? I'll do JJ. How do you want to do this? Uh, I'll just read them off. I'll let you give the results at the end. Very good. All right, pocket presence. We gave K the advantage here, 82 to JJ, 76. Arm strength, we saw a big discrepancy. You and I favored JJ with a 92 compared to Cade, 74. Accuracy, gave it dead even, 78. Scrambling, we gave JJ the advantage, 84, 77. And for Cade's biggest margin of victory in a category was decision-making. We saw Cade McNamara get a 90 from us, JJ with a 73. Headiness, more of just staying calm and even keeled throughout the game. We gave uh, uh, Cade McNamara an 88. McCarthy a 79. For that dog, my favorite category we discussed, we gave Cade an 84 and JJ an 86. For deep ball placement, we gave Cade a 74, JJ an 80. And for throw on the run, we gave Cade 79 and JJ an 85. All right, and that averages out. 
get this. This is, you couldn't script this. Cade McNamara, 80.7 overall grade. J.J. McCarthy, overall grade, 81.4. Separated by 0.7 after all of that. So, uh... What does that what does that stat tell you? Being, I mean, granted, this means nothing. We're just two guys that talk about Michigan football in our free time. But just how close that we saw this objectively, what does that tell you? It tells us that we could be talked into either guy on any day of the week, that this competition is everything we hope it's going to be. And this is why the debate is so hot right now amongst the Michigan fan base, because you have the the one upside of Cade being the leader and just always making the right play. But then you have this monumental upside and talent in J.J. McCarthy. And I think that is really just surmised right here in these rankings being separated by 0.7 after nine categories. Now, here's the thing. This was the first time we did it, and I think we'll probably expand the categories and do this again because I really liked it. Also, you know, NCAA football is coming back so we can actually see how close we come down the road. Uh, If we added two categories, though, I just thought about those categories would probably have to be athleticism and like running ability. I mean, those are pretty important. And if we add those things or say we add strength or say we add like speed, anything we add. Who do you think that gives the advantage to? That would be JJ, but I'd counter with maybe um, ball handling, like, you know, with Ooh, like fumbles it. that JJ had with several like ones on the ground last year, or, or durability as well with Cade. Cade stays healthy. Devert never takes sure. the big hits. So, again, there's like we could add several more categories here, and I think it still is really close. Speaking of close, I think that you, like me, appreciate a close shave. And support for Out of the Blue is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming on the planet. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, and I'm pretty sure it is, that's about 10 million balls. So you are probably like me in that (laughs) you don't want to put dangerous, rusted, oftentimes uh, weapons of instruments of death near your family jewels, nor should you. That's preposterous. If there's one region that you should be protecting and, and keeping safe, it's that. I don't need to give you the reasons. But I don't do that anymore. I used to. There was a time when I would put any old sort of weapon or instrument of death down there. But now I can't because Manscaped exists. And the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, people. And it's a game changer. You don't need to go down there with, well, I mean, if you're Andy, hedge clippers at times. But I mean, for for some of us that don't have access (laughs) to that. Maybe horse trimming shears. But inside this package, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0. Machetes. Weed <laughs> Machetes at times. The weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant. We're talking crop reviver toner, the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag. I mean, what are we talking about here? First off, the lawnmower 4.0. This is the trimming and future of grooming. Dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever? It's a reasonable claim. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Trademark on that. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight. You need a more precise shave? This can give it to you. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor, which is key. That is one of my favorite assets. 
You thought that was good, but you want to take your grooming game even further, take it to the next level? Well, the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Now, the older I get, the more this comes into play. I hate that about getting old, but that's just what it is, people. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, helps reduce nicks, snags, tugs, and the delicate nose holes. Nothing hurts worse. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, boys, your balls will thank you. Manscaped, even through these two first gifts of the Performance Package 2.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag as well. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MNB20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB. That's like maze in brew 20 at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping and manscaped.com MNB20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, let's get into the categories here, sir. And the we, we wrote these out. Uh, this is the first time we kind of did this for a quarterback competition because when was the last time we've had an honest-to-God quarterback competition like this? Was that uh, Dylan and Joe Milton? Yeah, it would have to be the 2020 season when Milton won it, but in all reality, we all lost. <laughs> Everyone that witnessed that was a gigantic loser. And uh, we hyped it up, too, because, you know, two really uber athletic guys. But I think we can safely say this quarterback competition will yield a better quarterback at the end of it. I uh, feel very confident in saying that. So, all right, let's get into the categories. First category, best moment. We're going to start out with a big one here. Best moment doesn't necessarily mean best play. Best moment can be like a stretch of a game. So Cade McNamara, best moment. I nominate to you the throw to CJ when we had to have it against Ohio State. This one can be broken down into one throw. Or you can say the whole drive when we had to have it towards the end of the game against Ohio State. I mean, he had thrown an interception in that game. It was not a perfect game by any stretch. But when we had to have it, Cornelius Johnson down to about the five-yard line, we would score Hassan Haskins shortly after that. Do you have a nomination? No, because that's the right answer. Like, it has to be that drive, that play exactly, because Cade McNamara is the quarterback that beat a full-strength Ohio State team for the first time since 2003. Okay, that has to count for a lot of it, and this goes back into the headiness of overcoming that early interception when he had a chance to really put the foot on the throat of him early, go up two scores right off the bat overcomes that and drops an absolute dime in the snow deep right at the goal line uh no the moment the magnitude everything about it that's the that's Kate's best moment I'm glad we agree on that one I thought there might be some dissension um because it wasn't even the best throw ever if you hit him in stride it's probably a touchdown but the moment you know like that adds to his gamer ranking it adds to the headiness it's the reason why he has such a claim to this starting job this year is, you know, because of moments like that. So uh, I'm with you. Let's not dwell on it any longer. JJ's best moment, your nominee, sir. My nomination is it's honestly not even a pass because I love this moment so much. It was in the big 10 championship when the game is tied. No, no scores are on the board yet. And then it is, 
uh, run with Blake Corum, makes a beautiful cut, still on a beat-up ankle, flies down the sideline, and here's J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback, sprinting down the field, throwing a block for the first score in the Big Ten Championship. I thought that really was just like the exact moment you saw what kind of character and leader McCarthy could be at the quarterback position. Uh, tremendous choice. I mean, what a just like a, a, a choice that's like a junkyard dog of a choice. That is a pit bull of a choice. I absolutely love it. Uh, I'm going to throw an honorable mention there, and that is his, what was like a 25-yard completion to Roman Wilson against Ohio State when he had been in there and everyone was thinking run, 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 and they let him throw it, and he threw an absolute dime when he had to to Roman Wilson. Biggest game of the year. Um, also, I will say, eh, no, nah, I'm not. Even, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So we're not going to say that. But my nominee is icing the game versus Wisconsin. Uh, did it on the ground at first, but then was given a chance to throw. And he hit a 56 yard bomb to Dalen Baldwin in stride. Mind you, looked really good against Wisconsin in a big game, in a big moment. That's when you started to see like, OK, what could this kid be? So that's my nominee. Uh, who do you who are we giving it to or does it matter? Do we just give it to both of them? Who cares? I think both of them are in there, but I have one quick question for you. Is there any concern on your behalf that two of JJ's best throws came to a player that's no longer on this team? Uh, with Dalen Baldwin, no, it does not because he wasn't there long enough last year to really develop a chemistry with anyone anyway. Now having a whole year, he's probably developed chemistry with all new guys. We've seen some Andrell Anthony chemistry. So no, no, that doesn't bother me even slightly. Does it bother you? It, it kind of lingers a little bit just because like the two his two big throws, the Western Michigan and Wisconsin, both in the first half of the season came at, with Dalen Baldwin being on the receiving end of it. So I would say it's slightly there. Nothing, nothing too big to really fret about. Like to your point, like developing rapport with the guys in the offseason. Now we'll see more of it in the upcoming year. But no, it, it's, it's a very interesting observation just noting it was Dalen Baldwin on both receiving ends of those. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that could be happenstance or it could just be like that was the guy that wanted to work out with him. Everybody else was working out with Cade. We don't really know the dynamic there, but like we know him and Andrell have some chemistry now, like just from them kind of hanging out and being associated with one another. So uh, I, I would anticipate that he finds another security blanket, but that's a category for later. So we'll get back into that. Um, all right. Cade's best throw. This one this was a difficult one. I mean, I was combing through them trying to find some, and we've got quite a few nominees here. So why don't you throw out your nominees first? All right. So there's there's a couple here, and it, at first it was like, what's what was Cade's good throw? Which which one is it? And then like you go through some of the ones, like you went through the minutia of the Michigan State game and found a couple, and a few that stand out to me. One is from that. It's the slant to Andrew Anthony, who actually like took his route. I believe it was a little too deep. Because he like he read the coverage wrong, but JJ just throws a dime deep in their own territory. I believe Michigan was on the seven. Uh, it, uh, yeah, excuse me, it was Cade. Yeah, on the seven yard line and throws just a dime through the defense. Connects with Andrell for a ninety three yard touchdown against Michigan State. So that was a beautiful one. And also uh, the Wisconsin flea flicker to CJ because that game is tight zero zero. Nobody can gain an edge. Cade steps back there and just drops a dime just drops it in a bucket to CJ walking into the end zone. 
Uh, I wanted to delete the flea flicker one because it was a flea flicker, but the way you described it, I'll allow it to at least be mentioned. I don't think it can win. I didn't think the Andrew Anthony throw was as good as it was until I rewatched it. And there were three defenders that could have made a play on that ball. It was in a tight window and Andrew did not have to slow down at all. That's why he went 93 for the score. So that's a really good choice. That probably ends up winning it. Uh, the throw that we mentioned was from that same game where he did roll right, had a defender dragging him down, and he hit Eric All on third and nine. Kind of an obscure throw and not really, can't really describe a throw on a podcast. But that was pretty impressive. But yeah, let's go with the Andrew Anthony, 93 yard. Let's not overcomplicate it. I think that's the one. Uh, JJ's best throw. This is an easy one, right? Is there any other nominee other than uh, the ridiculous, don't do that, don't do that, oh my God, yeah, do that throw against Western Michigan? I think it has to be that one, just pure throw, but I do love the fact that you keep bringing up his throw to Roman Wilson because he just puts it right over a defender on the sideline in the snow on the opposite hash. I mean, that is such a hard throw and such a big moment. Yeah, I'm with you. So good honorable mention, but it's the uh, crazy Patrick Mahomes across the body against Western Michigan. That's your winner. Uh, the next award, that's the sauce. The moment you saw the ceiling realized of that player, I will start on this one. So I'm going to go. Uh, actually, no, no, you do this one because this is yours. I just read the doc. My apologies. This is yours. So I, I think you're right, too, no. with this one. Yeah, no, you're fine. Yeah, I'm going to cook on this one. It was it was Maryland for me because it was sandwiched in between Penn State and Ohio State. And this is when I really saw what everything Cade could bring to the table because he saw a mismatch, much like an NBA team. They found a mismatch with Donovan Edwards, and he just continually went to that well. Just he was in complete control of this game, always making the right play, always making just the perfect throw. I mean, he was dialed in. And you could say, you know, game manager it has a negative connotation. But in this one, this is like game manager, like chess master. Like he is moving the pieces. He is finding the mismatch again and again, not being cute with it, playing winning football. And I was like, oh, if this is Cade McNamara every week, just out here slicing and dicing a team like this. I mean, that's a good ceiling. So uh, I, I really love your analogy. I want to go one step further. So like you you made the chess analogy with the game manager there. Like what if you're just like a, an average or a game manager in chess? You're like you don't do anything spectacular, but you have four queens on the board. Like what is it? What is a game manager with the most elite offensive skill position guys in the Big Ten? What can that guy do? That's a fascinating talking point. And like when we get to our ultimate decision here at the end, when we're going to put our stamp on who should start, that is like something that, as I'm saying out loud, is making me reconsider because this is going to be the most elite offensive skill position group that we've had. And like, what's a game manager? What's a, what's a chess player with four queens on the board? You know, it's fascinating. So um, that is a great moment for that's the sauce. Uh, the moment where the ceiling was realized, the uh, elite game manager. So for JJ, uh, I already mentioned the Wisconsin one, so I want to mention a different one, and that's against Northwestern, a game that you and I kind of both forgot about. Game was pretty safely in hand, but they could have theoretically made a comeback if they had an offense that existed. But he's running an RPO with Donovan Edwards, pulls up, takes off for like 15 to 18 yards. Next series, uh, I, I think that ends with like a field goal. 
So then we get a little separation next series. He gets it done hanging in the pocket hits Carter or Mike Sainer still down the left side escapes the rush with an evasion hits Carter Selzer. Like it didn't really matter, but Northwestern is still a solid defense and they were bringing pressure and he's evading it and he's moving the ball down the field on back to back drives when the game is still kind of in the balance. I mean, we were up like 28 in the late third quarter or something like that. But hypothetically, we've seen 28 to three happen before. So the game is still there and he showed like some real heads up play. So I want to mention that one, even though it's maybe not the most electric thing you can bring up. We've already talked about he only has like 20 completions to talk about here. No, that's a great one because I love that you're bringing up a few different series and going back to back. And uh, in this game on rewatch, like Northwestern's a very stubborn opponent because they really sell out to stop the run and force Michigan to be creative, like late in this game, even when, you know, except it was pretty safely in hand. But like it was with JJ on the outside making the right read, then doing the throws, you kind of got the whole package and you had it more over like a larger amount of time. So you really could get a better sample size of it. Now, that's a good pick. Cool. Cool. I appreciate that. Thank you for validating me. All right. Uh, the Chris Vernon, what are we doing here moment where uh, you just looked at the what was happening on screen and threw the uh, surrender Cobra up. Uh, what is Cade's what are we doing here moment? Oh, man, there's uh, there's two of them. There weren't a lot of just bonehead moments, but they're both interceptions. It's the interception against Nebraska. All the momentum is in their way. And Cade makes just like this. Brett Favre-esque attempt to gun the ball in the middle of the field with a safety lingering gets caught. And then the other one, I think the winner here is Ohio State. We're up 7-0. Uh, Ohio State punts. We get a good return with A.J. Henning. We're setting up for the kill shot right here, going up two scores in the first like 10 minutes of the game. And Kate throws into triple coverage in the end zone. And just a, an egregious interception at that moment. And one that we would look back on very, very unkindly if we'd lost that game. Oh my goodness. The swinging door moment that that was like, let's start with what happens if we convert that touchdown and go up 14, nothing early on. Can they recover the swinging door of if we lost that game by one touchdown and that happened like it is fascinating, but uh, we all know what actually happened on that day. And let's all thank whatever God we pray to that it did. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think on both accounts there, the interception against Ohio State probably wins that. Um, but man, like, let's not forget how close that Nebraska game was. We actually beat Ohio State by a wider margin than we beat Nebraska. So something to keep in mind. Uh, JJ's what are we doing here moment? It's got to be Michigan State. I mean, he was forced to come in when Cade McNamara was temporarily knocked out of that game. It was a freshman game for him. I mean, it, it, it was a game where he was up against a really good defense. And, uh, you know, Cade, what, Cade got knocked out, but it wasn't for very long. They, like, just decided to bring him in again for the play that actually he actually had the turnover. I just watched this game. And they brought him back in and it looked like it was going to be some sort of like a bootleg rollout, something or other. And he fumbled it in a critical moment of the game. But that game could have gone a million ways upon rewatch. I'm telling you, it's not totally on him. Um, but then also honorable mention five for 10. And you brought this up. This is one of your points. Five for 10 for 55 yards, one interception, two rushes for negative 14 yards against Indiana. Trying to do way too much in that game. So I honestly think that's maybe more egregious because against Michigan state, man, like that's a big moment. 
but against Indiana, like he couldn't do much. So which one do you think it, it goes to there? Honestly, I think you can tie in the whole stretch because those games are consecutive and it really just felt like whatever he, the funk he was going through against Michigan State and the growing pains carried over into this. So honestly, I would feels like a cop-out, but that two-week stretch for him is really like, J.J., what the hell? <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Um, all right, uh, the security blanket, Cade McNamara. Who, I want you to start out on this one because there's some different answers for this. I want to hear your thoughts. This is, this is fascinating. I saw this on here, and you can go a lot of different ways, especially with Cade because you have the bigger sample size. But I'm going to lead with Ronnie Bell, his return. You saw the chemistry early on, and the what-if factor is still there, especially if he's even close to 100%, which he is expected to be by the beginning of the year. So I'm going to go with Ronnie Bell, and um, man, I, you, could, you could easily make a case for CJ here. But I, I like what you have already with Eric All, and I'm going to say that because of the snowy day at State College when the team needed it most and JJ er, and Cade needed the throw. He went to Eric All crossing the middle of the field for the win. So I think Eric All and Ronnie Bell are the safety blankets there. I love it, man. You got to. I love that you just got your Eric All jersey. I'm still, uh, you know, deliberating on who I'm going to get, but that was a great choice. And Eric All. Upon rewatch, I'm in, you know, I'm pretty deep into my rewatch now. He just pops on rewatch like and he seems like a security blanket and he was Cade's security blanket last year. So I think that has to be your number one. Um, I get why you threw Ronnie Bell in there because of the early season stuff with Western Michigan. But I think it's Eric all. I mean, just like comparatively, he's going to get wide receiver numbers at a t- at the tight end spot. So huge, huge part of what they're going to do this year. So for J.J., I got two guys as well. Um, I think it's going to be Andrew Anthony, his classmate, who we've seen some chemistry with. And I also think it's going to be Donovan Edwards, another classmate. So I think it's going to be the guys that he's coming up with there. Uh, I think we've seen a little bit of it. Like you said, last year, there was some Dalen Ballin. There was some CJ Love, like CJ is another name here. But uh, I think it'll be the guys he's working with in the offseason. How do you see it? It's very interesting that neither of us said Blake Corum, who is the you know starting running back and will probably have the most touches of anybody. But I, I like your Andrell Anthony point there, and I think we saw that with Michigan State when he went for the the home run with Andrell in the end zone. I really think that's going to be his guy, and that's going to be the one-two punch, assuming J.J. McCarthy wins the starting job. I'm with you. All right, next category. Uh, it's called Yes, Yes, More of That. The thing that when you see them doing it, it gets you excited. Uh, Cade McNamara, what is that thing? Overcoming adversity in the biggest moments of the season, because that is exactly what you want from a quarterback, the next play mentality. You saw it against Michigan State after he got sacked from behind and lost the ball. You saw it against Ohio State with the big throw to, uh, to CJ to set up a touchdown. You want that next play mentality to overcome the adversity that not a lot of people have. I've got checking it down every time I see him look off the deep ball and go to one of his insanely talented running backs. I'm like, yes, yes, please do that. That's what I had in mind when I created this category, like use what you have here. And that's going to be Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum and AJ Henning hanging out about 20 yards downfield. And you can throw the ball very well, 20 yards downfield. Uh, so yeah, check it down. That's the thing that when he does it, I'm pretty excited. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to give the award to check it down here, if if I may. It's fine, you know. Pick your own, pick your own nomination. It's fine. 
I, I am. This is the only time I did it. I just <laughs> like my nomination better than yours in this instance. It happens. It happens. All right. Uh, so the yes, yes, more of that for J.J. McCarthy. I think this one has to be run it when your first or second option isn't there, right? Uh, that and hold on to the damn ball. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a good one. I was going to say that's more in like the no, no, don't do that, which is our next category. So no, no, don't do that. The thing that when they do this, it's going to drive you insane. What is the the thing that when Cade McNamara does will drive you insane? When Cade McNamara tries to force throws across the middle of the field for no reason and to double and triple coverage because he thinks he has Brett Favre's arm strength, that. I like that. I think the JJ one we're for sure going to agree upon. Uh, and that is for like similar to that forcing something down the field when like Joel Honingford is wide open for eight or nine yards. Right. Like that has to be the JJ. Honestly, like I, I was surprised you went with uh, Cade with the check down and saying that for JJ as well. Like check it down, JJ. There's a lot of people there. Sure. Sure. I know. But like we also just ran through like how much we don't really trust Cade throwing it down the field too much. I don't know. But yeah, no, that's a good point. That is a good point. JJ also should check it down more. We're going to have one of the best like check down offenses and look at what, you know, Kyle Shanahan and stuff is doing. Look at what they're doing in San Francisco and like what they were doing in Atlanta. You can keep things within 20 yards and still be an explosive offense. So that might not be a bad idea for both of them, you know, Um, and we can get to that here uh, in the next part. So, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, those. That's the end of the categories. Now it's time to flip a coin. And what we're going to do here is we're going to argue for our candidate. I don't have any preference here. I'm ready to argue either way. I assume you are too. Call it, sir. Heads or tails? Tails. It is heads. Uh, I am going to argue pro JJ. Okay, well, I will argue pro-Cade, and since I am the incumbent, would you mind if I go first? The incumbent goes first. Please do it. All right. Cade McNamara is a Big Ten winning quarterback. Cade McNamara beat Ohio State. He know he leads this team. He is a leader of men. He's constantly improving his craft. He's going to make the right decision nine times out of 10. He's not going to lose you football games. Does sometimes it get a little bit bland? It does. But going 11 and one and beating Ohio State is never going to be bland to me. So I value that above anything else here. I trust Cade McNamara to make the right decision almost all times. His, his, his negatives are so small and this team is so talented. Why have the risk? You don't need to risk it. This team does not need a massive boost to go undefeated this season. It needs a leader. It needs a chess master. It needs Cade McNamara. Man, sir, I want to hire you for something. I don't even care what it is. Like, help me build a deck just to have you on my side. I like what you're selling. That was well said, sir. That was well said. So uh, how we're going to do this format is now I'm going to rebuttal. I'm going to be anti-Cade in this instance. I am not. That is not my opinion. It is just how we're doing this exercise. Um, So when you do your rebuttal, try not to be like, pro-Cade in your rebuttal, you're trying to be anti-JJ. So if I am anti-Cade, here is my response, is that upon rewatch, one of the guys that pops the absolute least on this team is Cade McNamara. It is a guy that did his job kind of akin 
to what like Brad Hawkins did, where it's like, oh, yeah, Brad Hawkins had a couple moments. There were two or three games in there where I was like, yeah, that was a super, super like great game. But then there's a lot of like, yeah, he was there. He was out there. And then there's a couple games where it's like, man, Brad Hawkins, tough game. So he's maybe even a peg below that as far as like what I would say, how good is this guy at his job? We just went through his traits, and I think that we both agree that he is mentally very capable of this job. But in games where things got jammed up, look at Georgia and look at times against Ohio State, look at Michigan State, where you need a playmaker to take things to the next level. He cannot do anything with his legs. He also cannot make an elite throw down the field. That's like, I mean, we we had to use the the flea flickers to kind of mask that. So your ceiling with Cade McNamara, I believe, is kind of what you saw. I don't know that there's anything outside of developing great chemistry with Ronnie Bell that can take the ceiling higher. So I I, I just don't think Cade McNamara is a ceiling raiser. There's my there's my rebuttal. Anti JJ. So what if? J.J. McCarthy comes out and throws a couple picks in, say, like the Rutgers game, for instance, just like last year, a struggling game, kind of slogging through it, but it ends up being one score and it's tight, and you drop one of these easy games. And then he goes into a slump like he had for Michigan State and Indiana, and he really starts to struggle. And then you're rotating quarterbacks, and confidence is shaken. And then J.J. just keeps trying to take the deep shot instead of hitting Eric Hall for seven or eight yards for a first down. The gunslinger mentality is fun, it's sexy, but it also may not be conducive to winning, sustained winning. Like not everybody can be the the Bryce Young playing behind an NFL offensive line with all that skill there and making the right reads at all the times. Like what's sexy is winning. And until JJ can get that under control and make the right play and stop trying to make sports centers top 10, like that is why he cannot be leading this team. You're good at this, sir. Let it let it be known that you're good at it. And uh, I had some trouble being anti-Cade, but I have no trouble being pro-JJ. So I'm absolutely ready for this. What was Michigan good at last year? What did we base our identity around? Running the football and playing good defense. And what did we do? I don't need to repeat it. You know what we did. This year, our strength is the offensive line and the running game. So what do we need out of a quarterback? You're right. We need someone that doesn't make a ton of mistakes, but we also don't need a ton out of that quarterback. And there's going to be a ton of ways to manufacture offense. What else do we have going for us? That would be an extremely easy front end, like complete nothing of a schedule, which allows a lot of time for JJ McCarthy to build a rhythm. We can get him comfortable on the ground. So those first four games aren't going to be a problem. Let the boy do what he's going to do. And I think you're going to see all of that develop. And once that headiness develops, this is a schedule that you just lean on your run game. You let him come out there. You let his ceiling raising ability start to come out throughout the course of the year. And this is a guy that can get you past the Georgias. You can get to the Georgias. Certainly you can get to that level but in order to get beyond that level you need a game breaker at the quarterback position this has been an ongoing argument for years maybe decades what is keeping Michigan back and that is a game changer at the quarterback position that is what JJ McCarthy could be and until you make that change you're kind of I won't say stuck in the middle because we were above the middle last year but we also don't have Aiden Hutchinson 
There's no Aiden Hutchinson coming to rescue us on defense. We got to win this thing with offense. We need to take the bigger swing. So you swing and you go with JJ McCarthy. Sir, let it be known that you were also very, very exceptional at this. I mean, that was that was almost as good as your Manscape read. <laughs> I got to give props to the Manscape read, though. That was the first time doing that. I've definitely like drank some wine and ranted about Michigan football before. That's the whole reason we have a podcast. That's like what I do. But yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, <laughs> All right. Other so now it boils whatever. down. Who, who do you want to see? St- who do you want to see starting for this team week one? Who do you want to see starting for this team, Ohio State? And is it the same person? Okay, I think we also need to throw onto that who is starting. Like, who's our prediction? That's fair. Okay. Uh, who is starting? I still think it's going to be Cade McNamara. Who should start? I think it's JJ McCarthy. Who? And then what was the other one who's starting for what game? Ohio State? Ohio State. J.J. McCarthy. I think it's J.J. McCarthy for all the reasons that I said. Um, I believe all of your pro Cade arguments, by the way. It was a great argument. I think everything you said was completely accurate. But I also believe what I said about the J.J. argument and that, like, if you really want to go for it the, the and you, you believe that you've got a shot, it's going to be done on offense this year. And just go for it. Take the swing. How do you see it? Well, I, I like the point you made about this offense last year, like what it's, what it's predicated upon all the skill position they have, all the beef up front. Like you don't just because JJ McCarthy has that gunslinger mentality doesn't mean he's going to come in and be that you just, you kind of put the governor on him and you just kind of control him, guide him, dare I say, coach him. And he can take that mental leap because all the physical traits are there. So it's just like taking this, like this raw asset and refining it. And you have that buffer period, those first few weeks of the season where he can finally get in there and get some reps. And honestly, I think the beginning of the season, you could see a 50, 50 split of the reps because Harbaugh kind of does that teetering thing sometimes. But by the end of the year, uh, well, all, all, this is not a this is not an anti-Cade thing. This is I just think J.J. McCarthy will start against Ohio State. No, no, no. I mean, I don't think anyone would believe we're anti-Cade here. Like, it actually kind of hurts me because we just won a Big Ten championship. And, like, there is, like, a, a, a dirty feeling I have of, like, disloyalty saying it out loud. But, I mean, I'm we've rewatched this now. I mean, God, how many times have we rewatched Ohio State? I've, I'm probably over 10. It's probably closer to 15 now times I've rewatched that. I mean, I've rewatched Maryland a ton of times. Like, we've watched the reps and, like, Cade led us there, but Cade wasn't necessarily the reason that we were there, you know? So it's like, could there be another level to this? And I think we just believe that there is. And it sounds like we're both kind of leaning that direction for how this season goes. Yeah. And this is easily one of those things where if, you say Cade takes that step in fall camp. He is the starter. He has that connection with Ronnie Bell resurface that we were just you know, saw glimmers of before Bell went out with injury. Then yeah, then I, I'm very pro K. I'm pro Michigan winning games and winning Big Ten championships. Right. So whatever quarterback is going to do that and then help them hopefully take the next step of winning a national championship, that's the quarterback I'm pro. 100%. We have absolutely no agenda here. Whatever wins us games and Cade McNamara winning last year, even though we're big JJ guys, we shrugged it off immediately. Like, well, we're winning games. That's fantastic. I don't think we, we were pretty staunch Cade defenders last year, actually. 
Uh, I listened to one of our podcasts uh, a couple weeks ago when I was showing somebody one of some of our work, and uh, we we defended Cade almost every week. Uh, I don't think we were ever too critical of him, and for us to now both be kind of pro JJ, I don't know. It's just an interesting turn. It's a heel turn. <laughs> it's it's almost like a heel turn. We're pro both guys. Like it's it's a win win for us. A win win for Michigan. And like the evidence is there and we laid it all out and we felt one way and some people will feel another. And I completely understand that their feelings are probably validated if you give the right argument. So any day of the week, it can swing and it's going to be a fascinating battle to watch in August. For sure. And I think both are going to be important to the team. You want both on the team throughout this entire season. Like somebody's going to miss snaps. It just happens. So keeping them both on the team is critical, especially like we don't have anyone coming in. Like we have to keep JJ happy now. Like that becomes super important with no Dante Moore available. So like that may factor into the decision. I just kind of thought about that as I said it aloud, but have you thought about that? Like could the theoretically the no CJ Carr, no Dante Moore be like, yo, if we lose JJ McCarthy, we are in trouble. I'm just, I'm just putting it on right now that uh, Noster Andy's putting it out there into the ether that I think CJ Carr ends up at Michigan. Let's just, come on. We both did that. Yeah, we both agreed upon that via text message. I said, like, just with the, yeah, I could easily see that because, I mean, one in four guys are transferring now, and then if he's going to transfer, where do people transfer? It's back home. So I can totally see CJ Carr coming back. So I'm with you there, but uh it is it is very important that we keep JJ McCarthy. He's a huge part of the future. So no matter what, you're going to see both guys. Um, so that leads me to believe it's probably a primarily Cade with spot JJ kind of thing. So I actually think there's going to be a lot of two quarterback stuff. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone's super stoked on that, but I think you kind of have to. Yeah, I think it's going to play out that way. Probably trade series for the first couple games, and then you know when, however it shakes out after that, go from there. I'm with you, brother. This was a podcast extravaganza. We went longer than even I thought we would go, but good content. That was a meaty one. And uh, any final thoughts from you, my friend? We've uh, we've finished up on our series of- officially now. Uh, deep diving on this team. What are your what are your overall thoughts? We are blessed with riches that few know, including friendship and football. We'll be off next week. And then after that, my friend, we will be breaking down the games of the season. So it's been a pleasure doing this. It's going to be a fun year. I can't wait to get into it. Outstanding, man. And many more years to us. Uh, cheersing all of you listeners for, uh, man, what yet just another great season. Uh, yeah, I mean, when we come back, it's officially like previewing the games and stuff. So we'll be on the verge of August. We'll be on the verge of football. The air will begin to shift here not too long, and we're excited to be here for another one. So that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you can follow us on Twitter, at Mason Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.